Welcome to the Sunday Evening Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Colin Squires. Good evening. That was far more epic an introduction than I think I probably deserve. But um, it is great to be with you tonight and welcome to our series of At The Movies. We're doing this across all of the Kingdom Faith congregations this summer. And I don't know about you, but I love a good movie. I love the getting together with friends and some popcorn. I have to say, if you've not tried my homemade salted toffee popcorn, you haven't lived. It is the most incredible thing in the world. I'll make you some sometime. Um, but we are coming together to take these, these stories, movies, certain movies, and sort of draw from them what is God wanting to say to us through them. Now, you might think this seems a little bit radical, a little bit different. Is this okay in a church? But Jesus himself did this very thing right from the get-go. He took what we call parables or stories of the, the, uh, the Good Samaritan, of the uh, the the well, all of them, <laughs> the, the pearl in the, of great price and the treasure hidden in the field. He took all of these stories and he brought truth about God's purpose and God's kingdom that we can understand. And that's what we're going to be doing over these next few weeks. Um, and so, by the way, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Colin. I'm uh, the assistant one of the assistant congregation leaders in Horsham. And if you're thinking, I think I recognize this guy's voice, maybe it would help if I did this. Also, coming up in the life of the church, that's, that's me on the things with, uh, with Luke often. Or if you call Kingdom Faith, you'll get a, hi, welcome to Kingdom Faith Church. How can I direct your call? That's my voice. Um, but anyway, we're doing these, these uh, family services around movies. Um, and we were talking about what movies are going to be family friendly, what that everyone can engage in that's going to communicate a really clear, good kind of family message, something from God's heart. And of course, immediately, of course, the first one that came to mind is that 1984 family classic, The Terminator. Um, the heartwarming tale of a time-traveling cyborg who uh, just falls in love with 80s fashion. Um, But then we thought, well, maybe that wouldn't be entirely appropriate. So instead, we're looking at one of my favorite movies. So uh, please make sure that your phones are switched off and uh, or on silent airplane mode as uh, we enjoy our first clip. This, uh, this movie, if you've not seen it or if you didn't know, is actually out at the cinemas at the moment. It is uh, actually a, um, a live-action remake of this original animated film, which doesn't make any sense to me since it's now just commute- computer-animated. But nevertheless, they've redone it apparently exactly the same. I've not seen it yet. But if you've never heard of it, uh, this is The Lion King. And before I tell you a little bit about it, um, this is one of my favourite movies. I remember getting this movie for Christmas wrapped up in paper uh, and tearing it open to find my very first ever pirate VHS. Um, My auntie had bought it for a pound from Barnstable Market and I loved it. I didn't know it was a pirate VHS until many years later when I saw it on DVD, a friend's DVD, and uh, and was wondering why you couldn't hear somebody having a coughing fit halfway through the Can You Feel the Love Tonight scene and also why there wasn't 
canned laughter because I then kind of clicked that, oh, it was because somebody on my version was taping it from the back of a cinema on a dodgy uh, camcorder. But anyway, thank you, Auntie Sheila. You really showed me that you love me with your one-pound pirated VHS. But I loved this movie, and I pretty much, I think I know the whole script and all of the songs off by heart, um, and, and it's just fantastic. But as well as being a great movie, there's a lot that we can draw from that I believe God wants to speak to us about this evening. So if you've not seen it, very briefly, spoiler alert, by the way, I'm going to tell you, give it all away. But um, this movie is about Simba, a young lion cub who is destined to uh, inherit his father's throne, his kingdom, and become the king of the savannah. Uh, But it's also about his uncle Scar, who is um, not a very nice guy, and who wants the throne for himself, and he's going to stop at nothing to get rid of Simba and his father, Mufasa. From these last two scenes, we see that Simba is born to great uh, just anticipation. All of these animals have come out to celebrate the coming of the future king. He's also born with purpose, that his father is showing him, this is the kingdom that you will one day inherit. This is what is going to be yours. And he wants Simba to grow to be like him, to be a good king and you know to learn to rule righteously and all those kind of things. Um, but I want to ask you guys the question, why were you born? Why what is your purpose? And so I want to give you uh, 30 seconds or a minute or so just to have the conversation in your row with the people around you and just have that conversation. Why do you think you might have been born? Did your parents have a purpose for you? Is there a greater purpose for your life? And if so, what is it? So over to you. I'll give you a minute. Did anyone have any answers? I won't, I won't ask you right now, but, but whether your answer was, I think maybe one of my parents had one too many Pinot Grigios one evening, or whether I was planned and they really, really wanted to have kids, whatever it might be, I want to tell you that whether you feel like or you think that your birth might have been a mistake or was planned, God planned you. He planned you. He destined your being from before the foundation of the world itself. He knew you, and not only that, but he had a purpose for you, one that only you could fulfill. You could not fulfill the purpose that God has for my life, and I could not fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. It is specific and completely unique and individual. You were not a mistake, and you certainly weren't unexpected. God knew you and planned you from the beginning. And why did he, what was part of his purpose? Why did he plan you? Because he wanted to give you a kingdom. Just like Simba was going to inherit a kingdom, God wants to give us a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. But we also have, as people, not in the Lion King, but as people, we have an enemy. It's not a very popular subject these days, but just as real as God is, the devil is real too. And the devil wants to do three things. Well, four things. He wants to lie. He wants to steal from us. He wants to kill us. And he wants to destroy God's plans and purposes for our lives. Now, Simba didn't have the devil because it's, you know, it's a cartoon. It's made up. But he did have his Uncle Scar. I don't know how many of you might have ever used this tactic maybe with your kids to say, uh, you know, if there's one thing that you want to make sure someone does, it's just to tell them you must never, ever do it. I don't know if it ever, if it, does it ever work? You say, whatever you do, absolutely, you must not 
tidy your room. You know, maybe I could try this out on you guys. You know, whatever you do, what, I mean, anything you like, but whatever, there's this one thing you absolutely must not do. Please do not give my car a full valet. Please, I am begging you, you must not do that. It really could do with one. Um, I don't know if it works, but there's something in our human nature that says the one thing that I, we think is going to fulfill us, the one thing that is going to sort of scratch that itch, the one thing that is going to satisfy more than anything else is not all of this stuff that's laid out before us, not all of these good things, not everything the light touches. I don't know about you, but I would be like, the light is touching this. This is mine. This is my rock. That's my mountain. This is my tree. Like everything. I'd be like, this is amazing. I'd probably be getting a flashlight and shining on stuff. Go, that's mine too. That's mine. That's mine. You know, like when you lick your chips in school, you know, no, that one's mine. I've licked it. It'd be kind of like that, but with a light on it. And I'd be like, everything's mine. But there's something in human nature that says, but you're missing something. All of this good stuff. That's not where real satisfaction comes. Real satisfaction comes from over here. Notice when Mufasa showed Simba the whole kingdom, the first question he asked was, and what about that shadowy place? It's not like, wow, this is all my, what about that? What about that? What about that? He says, what about this one thing that the light doesn't touch? I mean, I don't know if you guys know uh, the Bible very well. Genesis chapter 1 is basically this story. Adam and Eve in the garden and God creates all of creation. He says, over to you, Adam and Eve, this is for you to go and rule over it. All of this good stuff, life eternal and you know, close relationship with me and joy and peace, all these things are good. There's one thing you mustn't do. And of course, the devil in the form of a snake comes and he lies and then Adam goes and gets, or Eve goes and gets Adam and then, you know, and Simba goes and gets Nala and goes, let's go to the elephant graveyard. And the first thing that they do is go and find the one thing that God says is not good. The Bible puts it this way. It says, we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone gone, gone our own way. There's something in Simba when he talks to his father about what it really means to be king. He says, I can do anything as a king. I can go anywhere I want. I can do anything. Simba's idea of true freedom is that nothing be off limits. There's a a quote I love from Jim Carrey, the famous actor and comedian, who said this. I wish that everyone could be rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they could know that it means absolutely nothing. I mean, we all sort of know this up here, and yet our hearts so frequently pursue the idea that the bigger house or the faster car will satisfy us. The idea that the next party or the next relationship will help me find my identity or really satisfy me. The idea that one more drink or one more bet or one more click will be the thing that finally scratches that itch and satisfies us like nothing else will. And you know, the devil, he jumps on that. He cannot wait to lie, just like Scar does, and say, this thing, if you were really brave, if you wanted to be really free, if you were really, you know, really want to be satisfied, then it's the thing that you know is not good for you. Now, some people think that the, the, what the Bible calls this stuff, this stuff that's not good for us, it calls it sin. And 
so many people seem to think, have this idea that God calls stuff sin because he's a killjoy. Don't go and do this because it'd be too much fun. And the last thing I want for you is to be enjoying yourselves. You know, I'm God, don't you know? You know, he's austere and he's a disciplinarian and he's angry. Everyone seems to have this idea, but it's not true. God is a God of love who wants the very best for us. The kind of love that God has for us means he seeks our highest good. And so when he says something is sin, it's because he knows it is bad for us in a way that brings death and destruction and misery into our lives. And Simba finds this out for himself. He goes to the elephant graveyard thinking that it is going to promise him new experiences and fun and excitement. But actually all he finds is death and decay and danger. In the movie, uh, Simba and Nala end up being chased by hyenas, uh, who are sort of like Scar's henchmen, and uh, they find themselves trapped in a corner that they can't get out of, and basically they're going to die. But right at the last moment, Simba's father, Mufasa, dives in and chases the hyenas away. Um, In this next... and, And in that, Scar's plan to get rid of Simba was foiled. But he knew if this doesn't work... I've got one more trick up my sleeve. He's got something that was even more powerful than this temptation, this lie of getting Simba to go into what wasn't good. So what happens is he lures Simba and his father into a gorge. And then he causes a stampede of wildebeest. uh, And who knows that it's not good getting run over by like thousands of wildebeest. It doesn't end well. You get hoof print right here. It's not a good look. And, uh, And so Scar causes this stampede. And Mufasa manages to throw Simba to safety. But when he is climbing out of the gorge to save himself, Scar is there to push him back in to his death. This is a great picture of one of the devil's most powerful weapons. Sin, that wrong stuff, doing what God said is not good, it separates us from God's love. It separates us from relationship. But the Bible promises that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If sin separates, it takes one moment of turning to God to bring us back into right relationship. You could do it right now, this very moment, and you come back into right relationship with God. And Scar knows this, but he wants to bring a separation between Simba and not only his father, but the rest of the community that wouldn't be so easily repaired. And I know, obviously, we've just seen Mufasa die, but we're going to see something else a little bit later. But the kind of separation Scar wanted to bring wasn't just one that was physical. It was deeper than that. And this weapon is called shame. Now, I need a volunteer, someone to help me out with this one. Joel, can I ask you? Well volunteered. Let's give him a round of applause, everybody. Come on down, Joel. Now, Joel, uh, we're going to just act something out. We're going to pretend something this this evening, okay? And I'm going to say some things that aren't true, but I want you just to know I love you, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to pretend to be the devil. Um, and we're going to use an example of a diet and food. Now, we're not really talking about diet and food because there's nothing necessarily really wrong with having some popcorn or anything like that. But we're going to use this to represent something of sin. Okay, so Joel, are you on a diet at the moment? No. Well, no. I thought you were like all about the chicken and like the amino acids and the protein and things. Looking at you, you're definitely, you know, this guy. 
good-looking guy. Um, but I'm not going to stand too close. Um, <laughs> but, Joe, I want you to pretend that you are on a diet, okay? And uh, this is what the devil does. He takes something, and he brings it, and he tempts us with it. And he might just start off with a kind of like a, hey. Oh, that's good. Have you tried these? Of course, you'd be like, no, I'm, I'm on a diet. I'm all right. Fine. Oh, but they're really good. I mean, best thing you've ever tasted. You don't have a smell of that. Of course, Joel at this point he's been on a diet, so he's starting to you know salivate a little bit. I think oh, that smells pretty good. Yeah. Um, mm. Oh, oh, that one was amazing. That's even better than Colin's salted toffee popcorn. This is the best thing I've ever had. Sure, you don't want one? And what he does is wears us down, wears us down with temptation after temptation, until eventually. For the sake of the uh, illustration, just take one for me. Don't don't resist too much, otherwise it ruins it. Uh, so yeah, if you just want to take one and just, and immediately, you know what the devil does? The first thing he does is, how could you? What were you thinking? You've only been on a diet a week already. You're scoffing popcorn, and he jumps right in with the accusation. So the one who was tempting us a minute ago, straight in there with the accusation, unbelievable, Joel. And he says these three things that Scar says. What have you done? And then, of course, he says, what will they think? What will your Weight Watchers group think? Those, all those people on Slimming World, Joel, you're letting them down. How could you? And then, of course, the last thing he says is, run. It's okay. Don't tell anyone. Do you know what? That's the best thing. Just don't tell them. They'll never know. It was only one piece of popcorn. In fact, since you've had one, why not have the whole bag? It'll make you feel better. Go on. There you go. You can keep that. Thank you. Let's, let's, give, let's give Joel a round of applause. He stood there beautifully. That was excellent, excellent acting. Um, I think the popcorn, once again, was a bad choice. But, excuse me, uh, this is what the devil does, doesn't he? He comes in with, with temptation and then with accusation. And then straight off the back of it, he brings shame. Now, the difference between guilt and shame is this. Guilt says, I did wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. Guilt would say, I stole. Shame would say, I am a thief. It's something of a label that touches our identity and who we are deep down. And we look down at ourselves and we see this label written on ourselves. And we start to act in what we see, we, we, we think we are. And so if we were to use our diet example, the first thing that the devil would say to us after we'd eaten that piece of popcorn was not just, you ate popcorn, but would be this. You're an overeater. You're a glutton. You are a failure. You're pathetic. You will never achieve your goals. He comes in with these lies that not just tell us we, what we did was wrong, but what we are is wrong. Shame is powerful because it, it does three things. It robs us of confidence in who we are and who we are before God. How could you do it? What have you done? It robs us of relationship and community. What will they think? And it robs us of position. Run away. In our movie, Simba runs away, only to meet Timon and Pumbaa, a meerkat and a warthog, this kind of comedy duo of outcasts who themselves have experienced shame and have run away from their problems. Pumbaa's was actually a bit of an issue with IBS and some severe flatulence, um, so maybe not quite as bad as Simba. But nevertheless, um, this was the advice that they gave. 
That was it. That was literally the clip. <laughs> and, but the sad thing is that all too often, people who have experienced shame or, or something that's just horrible that's gone on in their life, they might come even to the church and they've said things like, oh, something awful has happened, but I don't want to talk about it. And the response has been, even in the church, is good. We don't want to hear about it. Hopefully, that's not the response you'd have in this church. If you ever called up a pastor and said, I need to sit down, you maybe called Pastor Kevin or Pastor Sharon and said, can we just have a talk? Something really awful has happened. I'm not really sure how I can say this. They go, great, don't even bother. Brilliant. Laters. And they're just out the door quicker than that. You know, hopefully that wouldn't be the response. In fact, I know that wouldn't be the response that you'd get from these guys. And hopefully that's not the response you'd get from the church. But I can guarantee you it is not the response you would get from God. God is not someone who doesn't have time, who doesn't want to hear, who doesn't want to listen. He's not putting his fingers in his ears and going, oh, that's gross. I don't want to know anymore. That is not who he is. So though Timon and Pumbaa, they have great meaning friends, uh, but they don't really have any of the answers. As we go back to the movie, Simba ends up living with Timon and Pumbaa for a few years and he grows up and he learns a way to deal with his shame. It's called denial. You might have heard the song Akuna Matata. You know, what a wonderful phrase. It means no worries for the rest of your days. But actually, it's just living in denial. It's not dealing with the issues. And how do we know? Because every time anything of Simba's past or his father comes up, he shuts down. It touches something of his woundedness, of his scars, you might even say, that are still present, that he still carries because he's just trying to pretend it never happened. Now, when his uh, childhood friend Nala comes and finds him as an adult, we start to witness this blossoming romance, but we also see there's a bit of an undercurrent of something else going on. This is one of my favorite scenes in movie history. I love the bit where Timon and Pumbaa are there right at the beginning of that, and he just sings, I can see what's happening, and they don't have a clue. I think I missed my calling. I should have been in musical theater. But... Um, the words that, that Simba sings there are really interesting. He, say, he says, so many things to tell her, but how to make her see the truth about my past? Impossible. She'd turn away from me. And this is what shame does. It tells us this lie that if you really knew what I was like, if you knew what I really was like deep down, you wouldn't love me. But Nala, she's thinking like, why won't he be this king that I know he is, this king I see inside? She sees the calling and the destiny that is within him and can't understand why aren't you living in the good of all that your father has planned for you. But Simba, meanwhile, is locked in his shame. And he can't face the idea of her knowing because he can't face the idea of rejection. How can we know if we are living or have lived with shame? We'll feel like we can't be honest with people. We feel that if we don't put on some kind of veneer or some kind of a front, then people won't be able to accept us. We'll be living with secrets and we'll be living with a fear of what would happen if anyone would find out my secrets. And our, we probably would have had conversations either with others or with ourselves that went a little bit like this. So often, shame can be the thing that causes us to think that everyone else has abandoned us. Even God. 
we can sometimes feel like if we're locked down in shame that God has abandoned us. He's left us. Where are you? You said that you would never leave me. But actually, all the while, it's Simba who in his shame is keeping his face turned away from God. Or turned away from his destiny, his father. In our case, turned away from God. But if we only turned, we would realize that God was right there beside us. That the moment we decided to look to him, he would be there to meet our need in that moment of hurt and weakness. But Simba is so locked with it down with the shame. He says, it's my fault. It's all because of me. I am bad. I am a failure. He's locked in shame. And I don't know if any of you identify with any of this, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, every one of us could say that there are things that we have done that we feel guilty about. There are things that we have done that we are ashamed of. There are things that if we, we think, if anyone knew the worst things I've ever thought, ever been, ever done, then people wouldn't accept me and they wouldn't love me. The, this, isn't, this isn't, if that's true... We're not the first people to ever feel like that. The Apostle Paul, who's maybe arguably one of the most kind of holy and spiritual men in all of history, who wrote half of the New Testament in the Bible, he said this, I am so human. Sin rules me as if I were its slave. I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do the good I want to do. And I do the evil that I hate. What a miserable person I am. Who will save me? Very uplifting message, isn't it, to this evening? <laughs> and like Simba, we might say, I never meant for these things to happen. I didn't intend it to go this way. You might have even said, but I didn't even know that this was what would happen. I didn't know sin was wrong. I didn't know that thing wasn't okay. What can I do? Paul's answer was this. I thank God for his salvation through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The thing that brings freedom. The thing that breaks the shame, the only thing, is meeting with our Father God and listening to who He says that we are. It's such a powerful scene where Simba meets with his father and he says, You have forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who I am. You've forgotten who I made you, who I called you to be. You've forgotten your destiny. And shame can keep us away from our destiny, not seeing who God has called us and made us to be. When he sees Rafiki at the end, the baboon, who maybe represents the Holy Spirit in, in this scenario, who draws us, leads us into all the truth, who doesn't let us stay where we are. When he meets Rafiki, he says, You're, you can either, uh, the past might hurt. And no one's saying that any woundedness that there might be in our lives doesn't hurt, but you can learn from it. Or you can live in it. And we can learn from our past. We can learn that when we make our choices and we choose what's best for us, we go, I'm going to choose that thing. I'm going to choose the elephant graveyard. That what we find is death and decay and destruction and misery. We can learn from that and say, so God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my hands in my life in your hands. May you make the calls. May you make the decisions for me. You tell me what is good and how to live. And I'll live your way. And when we live in that, we live live in the best that God has for us. Life in all of its fullness. You, you and me, were meant to be a child of God. He planned you from the beginning of time and wants to come to make his home 
in your heart to rid you of shame and come and live in you. After Simba met with his father, his view of himself completely changed. It's like the label was torn off. No longer am I who I was, but I'm who you call me to be. When we come to God, God is there to listen. We can come before and be completely honest. He's the one person, maybe, that we can say, God, this is the very worst I've ever thought, ever done, ever been. And I give it to you. And you know what? God, amazingly, he doesn't reject us. He doesn't say, that's awful, get out of my sight. Far from it. The opposite. His heart breaks with us and he says, if you will let me, I will heal it and I'll set you free. And in a moment, if we come and we bring ourselves before God, he says that he will lead us out of darkness and into a marvelous light. That everything the light touches kind of moment. So when we come to God, he not only can forgive us our sins, but also he takes that life, that old life of everything we've done, and he puts it to death. This just like when Mufasa dove into the canyon to save Simba and died on his behalf. So God sent his son Jesus to die on our behalf, that our old life, our old way of living, can die with him, that we can have a completely new life. Hands up, who here would ever have ever thought, I would love a fresh start? You know, God is the one person who can say, I can give you a fresh start. When Simba comes and he meets with his father, he is changed. He is restored to his core. And as, as God reveals himself to us, death is washed away and life is put in its place. I'm just going to ask Claudia to come up and, uh, and play for us for a moment. When Simba met with his father, his whole identity changed. And it meant he could go back and face his uncle Scar. And he says to him, why should I believe anything you say to me? All you do is lie. And he sees him completely defeated. And he's restored back to the pride, back to the other lines. And shame is completely cut off from his life. And I'd like to invite us just to stand and respond to what God wants to say to us and do in us tonight. And I'm just going to ask that for a moment, if you just close your eyes and just put your focus on the Father right now. When we live in shame, when we live with secrets, it's like we're keeping the lid on and we keep things in darkness. And in the darkness, the devil can have free reign. It's like that dark place that gets moldy and damp and just is not good. But when we let God lift that lid and lift the lid on our scars, on our woundedness and bring restoration and freedom, the light floods in. Right now, I want to invite you to just talk to God and just say if there's anything that is going on in your heart right now where you know there's that sense of this is the thing that I've never wanted to tell anyone. Maybe you've even thought I need to run away from God. Even God can't forgive me for this. I want to challenge you. Just bring it before God and say, God, this is what I've done. This is what I've thought. 
forgive me. be someone who has never made a decision for Jesus before. You've never prayed before. You might be someone who might be called a prodigal. You're someone who has known God, but you've walked away. And maybe shame has been the thing that's kept you from coming back to God, coming back to relationship. Or maybe you're someone who, you know, you walk with the Lord, you know God, but you've just sort of tripped up recently and you, you're just caught up in something that you know is not good. Wherever we are, God is faithful and just to forgive. And he leads us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But the important thing is not that we come and we get forgiven, which only takes a moment right now. If you've brought something before God like that, it is done. If we just do that, we leave it there. We get that thing dealt with, but then we go back to living our own way. And you know what? It's not long before we're wrapped back up in shame again. But... If we say, God, please forgive me, and I choose to give you my life, I choose to come back to the destiny that you've always had for me since the beginning of time, I choose right now to give you my life, to submit my will to what you want for me, then we can live in his best for us. And I want to tell you personally, I've known what it is to live in shame to live with secrets, to live feeling like if people really knew me, they would love me. And I can also tell you the immense freedom and joy when you are free, when you can walk, when other people know everything about you, the very worst. And it's okay. And I stand before God and I know that's how God sees me. And right now, if that's you and you've made that decision to just bring that before God, that is how God sees you. And your next step from today might be that you need to have an honest conversation with your husband or your wife. You might have to have an honest conversation with a family member or with your small group leader or with Pastor Kevin or Sharon. Just to get this stuff out to the light that it cannot plague you any longer. If you've made any of those decisions, you would like to find out more about what it means to walk in this light, then I would love to have a conversation with you after this service. But right now, let's just say, thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.